0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to the October 2015 us post-game show. We're now going to look at the 10 cases we did, look at the answers and have some discussion. Hopefully you enjoyed the cases and hopefully you learned something. But let me tell you a little bit about each of the cases. So let's get started. This is an interesting case. When you look at the images, what you're seeing is the right kidney is displaced forward and to the left. All the bowel is displaced from right to left. Very, very classic infiltrating tumor in the retroperitoneum. It's fat density. It has swirls within it. Just looking at this, there's not much of a differential diagnosis. I would simply look at that and say liposarcoma. Mesenteric paniculitis can give you a haziness in the mesentery, but it's usually central. It has nodes, some displacement, but not this kind of mass effect. Lipomas can occur, but not this large and not this infiltrating, of course. And Ermheim chester can give you inflammatory changes, but typically in the peri- and pararenal space, classic example of liposarcoma. This is an interesting case, 50-year-old male in an infiltrating tumor in the body and tail of the pancreas. What could this be? Well, it's homogeneous and it's soft tissue density. Without looking at the possible answers, I would say, you know, adenocarcinoma, no dilated duct, that would be unlikely. Spend tumor, it's younger patients, it's cystic and solid. This isn't. Infiltration, i got to think about lymphoma. This could indeed be lymphoma. Look at the splenic artery. It's stretched but not invaded or occluded. So lymphoma will be a good thought and a neuroendocrine tumor and although neuroendocrine tumors are typically hypervascular we have seen many recently that are relatively hypovascular and homogeneous could this be something outside the pancreas i guess theoretically on these couple images a gist tumor off the stomach can fool you but when we look at the choices i'm not giving you that choice i'm saying it's a pancreatic mass and the best choice to me, I'd be of a hard time arguing lymphoma versus neuroendocrine, though I have to admit that this would be the biggest lymphoma I've ever seen. So I went with neuroendocrine and this was a neuroendocrine tumor. Again, not every neuroendocrine tumor is going to be hypervascular. This is an interesting case, there's an adrenal mass about five centimeters, what could it be? The truth is it could be any of these that are listed here in theory, but when you start looking Hematomas can be slightly vascular, but usually they're smaller when they're acute. Chronic hematomas can be masses. This doesn't quite strike me as a hematoma. Pheochromocytomas are typically hypervascular. This is not hypervascular, so I would say no. Primary adrenal cortical carcinoma is a thought. 5 cm is not a bad size. They can be mildly vascular. It's indeed possible, particularly if the patient was cushionoid, But the other choice, metastatic renal cell, you give a quick look and you say, aha, the patient's missing the left kidney. So the best choice here is metastatic renal cell carcinoma to the right adrenal gland, which indeed what it was. Now sometimes the metastases which match the primary tumor are hypervascular. I've seen many clear cells which are supervascular metastasize the adrenal and the adrenal mets be very vascular as well. This patient presented with back pain and shortness of breath. When you think about the back pain and you look at the images and say, boy, this is an aggressive tumor, maybe it arises primarily in the bone. You might think about a plasmacytoma, metastatic renal cell carcinoma. Those are all possibilities, some sort of sarcoma. What about a primary lung cancer? Well, that's a good thought. Maybe it's a primary lung cancer, which not only obstructing the esophagus, but it's invading into bone. So maybe it's behaving like a pancos tumor. So the choices I gave you are good choices. Lymphoma can involve bone. That's probably the weakest choice. Shortness of breath, you know, could be for many things, including a PE. But in this case, I would say the best diagnosis, though not a perfect answer, is squamous cell carcinoma. This was a, uh, basically a PANCOS tumor, which invaded the spine, destroyed bone, obstructed the esophagus. So that's what I went with, and that was the correct answer in this case. The patient's post-distal pancreatectomy, and I want to know the best diagnosis. Well, the first thing is most of the time with distal pancreatectomies, it's followed by the word and splenectomy. With small tumors, but typically laparoscopically, they're leaving the spleen behind. This is one such example. But when you look at the spleen, you can see there's very poor perfusion, only minimal enhancement in one part of the spleen, and you see air in multiple bubbles. When I see air in multiple bubbles, I'm thinking about an abscess. When I see lack of perfusion, I'm thinking about infarction. Splenic infarct with abscess is the best diagnosis. This is not lymphoma. Lymphoma can be infiltrating with decreased enhancement, but you wouldn't see air bubbles. Splenic cyst obviously is well defined in water density, and pseudocysts are the same appearance, right? It's typically centrally from a uh, episode of pancreatitis tracking centrally. Very nice example of splenic infarct with abscess. I ask what the most likely diagnosis for this case is when you look at the coronal and then the coronal MIP imaging. You see it about a 3 centimeter mass in the mesentery, which is encasing the patient's branches off the SMA. There's a desmoplastic reaction present. It could be lymphoma, mesenteric mass, but that usually displaces the vessel. Mesenteric paniculitis does not involve the vessels. You see soft tissue stranding and haziness, so-called misty mesentery, but it doesn't invade the vessel. Desmoid tumors are solid masses, which can be somewhat vascular. Again, displace rather than invade. When you have something that's encasing the vessel, as in this case, when you see what looks like a desmoplastic reaction on the MIP imaging, that would be classic for a carcinoid tumor. This patient has a drop in hematocrit a week post whipples procedure and I'm asking what the best diagnosis is. If you close your eyes and don't even look at the images, if you're dropping hematocrit a week post whipples, I'm thinking you bled and typically you bleed from a pseudoaneurysm most commonly off the GDA, though we've seen it from hepatic artery and we've seen it from splenic artery. When you look at this case, you see a large hematoma in the pancreatic bed, but you also then see active extravasation on the image on your left. And although you may not be able to connect it to the exact vessel, this would be classic in location for a bleed from a GDA aneurysm. Even if you're not certain where the vessel is, this patient's going to angiography for embolization. If you don't do that, if you miss the diagnosis, this patient can die. Patient will bleed to death, so it's a surgical, or in this case, an interventional emergency. We can see old hematomas or abscesses in the surgical bed, but this is blood and this is active bleeding. Uh, Very nice example, and the patient went directly to angiography. This patient's a 40 year old male with shortness of breath, what's the best diagnosis? The key thing is looking at the left subclavian artery. On the axial, there's soft tissue around the left subclavian, and perhaps you might think maybe this is atherosclerotic disease, but you don't see any other vessel. And then when you look at the coronal 3D display, you see the narrowing of the proximal left subclavian. And although I would consider atherosclerotic disease anytime I see soft tissue, you also got to look at number D Takayasu's. This takayashus classically involves the left subclavian, the soft tissue thickening of the vessel wall. This is not an intramural hematoma, it's not a dissection. Beautiful example of takayashu's aortitis. Here's a case of a renal mass and I'm showing you two images which very nicely on the arterial show you neovascularity with invasion of the right renal vein and IVC. And on the venous phase you really see the thrombus nicely almost reaching the level of the diaphragm. And I ask you what's the best phase for defining IVC extension of renal cell carcinoma. The fact is multiple phases can show them well. Non-contrast obviously is not the answer. Arterial phase is good, but at times you have flow-related changes and you could overcall the presence of thrombus. Delayed phase, you may have too much washout. The best phase to me is about 70 or 80 seconds. Venous phase imaging works very nicely. You see the thrombus, you see the extent. You lose the neovascularity, but that's okay. You get that from the arterial phase but the single best phase, and we've published on this, is indeed the venous phase. Accuracy is near 100% based on the published literature. This is a very straightforward case, but I like this case because I wanted to show you the volume rendering in MIP, mass right lobe of liver, and what the MIP shows you very nicely is the feeding vessel, which can be seen with almost any disease process, but the enhancement pattern, which is peripheral puddling. And this pattern is most classic for hemangioma. FNH, we can see a feeding vessel, which goes to a center of vascular lesion. Hepatic adenoma, you can see a bleed, but the lesions are typically vascular. And when you see vasculature with neovascularity, then we're talking about hepatoma. This had benign vasculature, well-defined mass. This was classic for hemangioma. Well, that's the end of the quiz, 10 Terrific Cases. I hope you learned something and I hope you enjoyed the cases. And hopefully you can go back and look at more great cases on CTSS or on our web app from the App Store on Quiz Cases. And with that, have a great day.